This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This isn't one of the ones like Primer or anything like that. We're definitely piggybacking off of like lingering Halloween vibes with this with this one. We did watch it over Halloween. We did, and then we revisited it just recently because mm-hmm. it was uh, it's still been on our minds. And we're talking about none other than the Nun. <laughs> none other than <laughs> this is pretty recent in the franchise of uh, of the Conjuring world mm-hmm. or universe, however you want to call it. Right. But 2018 here, directed by Corin Hardy. And, you know, this film, it was kind of one of those. It could have been real. Like, some people will probably think it's, like, really cliche. Sure. And it didn't really get that great of reviews. But for me, I actually thought it was pretty effective. And I guess we'll get into that as we kind of unravel this whole thing. Yeah, definitely. But it's one of those ones that... You know, we're going back to, it's like classic Catholicism, exorcist stuff, like, you know, like uh, demons and angels and what constitutes holiness, what is holy ground. It really makes you think about that and like what it takes to overcome such power, right, Uh, of of holiness. Like what conquers that? Like what forms of evil are able to penetrate through? On that note, though, like it was so different at the same time, it being, you know, the classic Catholicism, like like you said, these kind of tropes, but it was – the the an actual exorcism was absent, right? You know True. what I mean? Like comparatively to the Actually, other yeah. films in the franchise. That's a good point. Even though <laughs> it is the same but it's very much the same vibe and you could argue there's more overarching like uh the, the church is more overarching because it's an actual like appointee of the church sent on a mission to right. go check this out as opposed to like the warrens doing their independent investigations yes even though they're religious people exactly yeah they're they're you know it's very official it's yeah, like <laughs> right. sent from the vatican he's a miracle hunter or, or a seeker or whatever they call him yeah, uh, Father mir- Burke. Right. Yeah, Miracle Seeker. I think was yeah. the title, which is interesting. It's a very real thing. Just so you guys, just just so everyone it knows, kind of is. Yeah, it's interesting, and some of it is recognized by the Vatican, some of it not. But mm-hmm. anyways, we'll mm-hmm. get into that in a sec. Sure. But it's kind of interesting though, because like going back to the whole idea of like yeah, like the the two sides of the coin here: good and evil, holiness, and what's the opposite of holy? <laughs> what's the opposite of a miracle? <laughs> right. <laughs> you sure, know what I mean? Sure. And like what demons are lurking in these underbellies of our world and how we can access them, how they're released. And and this is cool because this is actually a, a rewind, right? It's an origin story for this particular demon that makes various appearances throughout the franchise and the films. And it's actually kind of complicated. It was funny, like they there's 
many of them on YouTube. Hey, like uh, the the Conjuring Universe timelines. And, and that's the, like you that. know it's so funny. I think a lot of people out there, unless they're hardcore horror movie fans or obviously Conjuring fans, don't necessarily know that this is very much like Marvel or DC, a universe. Yeah. And that this is a timeline that's strung together, except it's a non-linear timeline. So mm. this is the most recent film in the franchise but it's taking us back to the 1950s as opposed to the the 70s with with the Warrens and stuff like that right. which I love. I love franchises that bounce around in a non-linear way. Me too. It makes you it really makes you think, it makes you wonder what's tied to what. But we do obviously like you said have this common thread of this demon we have yet to name who is awesome and horrific and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Should we say it? Or, yeah. is it, or is it like Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> Volok. Volok. The defiler. The, the poker. <laughs> Vladislav the poker. Yeah. But this is fun because like in this particular film, we're getting into the origins of this one particular entity that I said makes mm-hmm. these various appearances throughout these films. And obviously, like, yeah, like you said, like these are nonlinear. So we've seen this demon before. And we've seen it even in the first one, too, but we didn't actually see the full rendering, I guess. Uh, so you could say it was inside. It was possessing someone mm-hmm, at right. that moment. And that was in the first The Conjuring movie. And then in The Conjuring 2, we actually do see the full envision thing because Lorraine ends up painting it. Right. She's a vision. Much like the sister Irene in this film, right? The protagonist in this film, right? She has these visions and she doesn't really fully understand them a lot of the time. Exactly. We can come back to that painting and that other film too and the connection with with the nun and Valak. Because mm-hmm. it, to me in that, I mean, we might even just cover the whole franchise. I think we did a poll and people are into that, into yeah. us doing that. But in that particular one where Lorraine paints paints the nun... It seemed to me like that was a silly thing to do. Like that's opening the clearly opening <laughs> yeah. the gateway. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what else could you perceive a painting of that as? I mean, it's not just a something to hang in your bathroom. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously going to let something in. It seems strange. And that she's she just would like be... exercising this. Well, exercising the demons is the pun, I guess. But like she's she's clearly just it's a catharsis for her dreams or whatever, right? But anyway, I, I digress because this is a different film we're talking about today. But mm-hmm. obviously, the same horrific face. The same the face, yeah, and it's it's a terrifying face. And so we're talking, going back to, like you said, the 1950s, 1952, St. Romania, Romania, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Romania. yeah so you, had, more you put a little inflection on there, sure, mm-hmm. sure. And we've got these two main characters. I like how it's a pretty simple plot as far as the characters go. They're not uh, resting on too many people's acting chops, so to speak, and they have mm. a solid cast. Even though it's not like an all-star cast, it's a very solid cast, I would say. Yeah, I was. Was dis- anyone a weak link for you? No, not really. I was disappointed actually that there was such negative reviews. I mean, we can mm. we can we don't really need to touch on that, but I think I might get a little bit of uh, pushback from this on social media. But this was my I preferred this out of any of the films in the franchise. I mean, I love oh. I love them all, but anyway, we'll come we back to that. We haven't seen them all actually. Or there's a few actually, coming there's, out. There's, I think there's yeah maybe one we've in the maybe Annabelle series two. we've missed a couple. The there's like three sure. or four in that series anyway, but. <laughs> so it's interesting because, like I said, this is it kind of starts off with an official recognition from the Vatican that there's something that needs to be corrected here or something investigated at least, at right. the very, very least. And so we get Father Burke and Sister Irene, who are kind of the, the, the duo sent to kind of tackle this case. And I like how Irene, they really portray her in a, how should I say this? For the 1950s, it seems a little bit more modern, a little bit more forgiving, less like like the fear of God type Catholic 
uh, outlook on life and a little bit more open, ambiguous, which I think is why she is the protagonist, right? Because she has, she's straddling this line of ambiguity with her faith and with herself because she hasn't taken her vows yet. Right. That's and that's kind one. of a, a big clincher, I think, for why she was chosen. And they opened the scene. Well, yeah, that's that's part of it, I think, because, yeah, they needed someone who wasn't necessarily yeah, all the way done your vows, like full, full, a fully, a full nun, because mm-hmm. clearly maybe there's people in the Vatican that have a little bit more of an inkling of what's going on at this particular place they're being sent to. And clearly the nuns there haven't necessarily been able to deal with it very well. But I did, to your point there about her being more progressive or whatever, that was an interesting first scene. Like she's surrounded by all these kids. She's got the dinosaurs and then she's being, you know, volleyed these questions from these kids about like, oh, dinosaurs aren't real. Like sister so-and-so says they're not real. And she's like, Mm -hmm. really though? Like, do you believe in koala bears? Do you believe in penguins? Like they're not in the Bible, but they're like, so she's very much open to this larger timeline of the world obviously oh yeah Um, and that's that's that that i don't even know i mean that speaks to definitely some more progressive views from the catholic church too as far as astronomy different investigations into things but then the flip side is demons other worldly realms hell (laughs) (laughs) well it's almost as if they position her as an outsider or on the fringes right away because it doesn't seem as though she is fully accepted for how she views things like her older sister who looks like uh maggie oh my gosh i'm forgetting her last name maggie but she plays uh, harry potter harry potter yeah she (laughs) oh oh. maggie and she's in downton abbey and all that but people are going to be just like just wanting to slap they're screaming it out right now yeah they're screaming it out but including emily (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, th- I actually thought it was her, but it's not. This isn't a big enough movie for her to make a little no, cameo no. appearance in. But very Maggie-esque. S- Maggie Smith? Smith? You're spending too much I time think it's Maggie this. Smith. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that she even makes the comment to Sister Irene where it's like, you better get in your habit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's not fully embraced it or something. Like, she's not fully there. Which is interesting because, again, right, when she is sent with Father Burke... And they meet up with Frenchie, who was the discoverer of the body, the reason they're there, of the deceased sister who supposedly hung herself. Right. Um, he has this immediate flirtation with her because she doesn't look like a nun. And she's not wearing the garb, obviously, right? No. And even before they get to that moment where they're doing this investigation, like Father Burke says to her, uh, he assumes that she's Romanian. He's like, he, he shows up and is like, oh, they said, you know, you have ties there. And that's why we you were... I was asked to come pick you up. And she's like, no, I've never even been there. And he's like, oh, well, oh. no, no worry, no bother or whatever. That's weird. And that's really strange because obviously there's the tentacles of the Vatican that know that she has these visions that Father Burke doesn't yet know this, right? Mm-hmm. That she's got these other abilities, right? Yeah. That clearly it, there's some importance with her not having taken her vows and mm-hmm. they're not telling Father Burke everything. They know, oh, yeah. they know what's been going on at this place. They know the yep. reason why the nuns are there and they don't want to say. Yeah. So that's, that's the linchpin. I love that because I, why yeah. wouldn't they just tell Father Burke? Why wouldn't they tell him? Why wouldn't they send more troops? You know what I mean? Like send a mm. bunch of priests, but we haven't gone to that yet, people. Obviously <laughs> spoilers abound because we hope you've seen the movie already, but anyway, I digress and again. So it was the the Vatican meeting though, that where they were saying like, will this relic really save us? Right. That's interesting. They're already questioning the power of Christ. And this relic in particular, when we finally get a view of it, like this is towards the conclusion of the film, it's quite ornate. And it's very like, it looks like a Christmas ornament with a cross with 
obviously like Jesus's blood in the middle of it, which is quite mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But they're even questioning the power of Jesus's blood. If it's the enough. The power of blood's the Christ. Oh my God, I'm totally mispronouncing <laughs> that. The power of Christ and the blood of Christ. Right. And because this demon is obviously this this force is so just so powerful. It's pretty freaky, man. <laughs> yeah, and and they they kick it off right away, which I love. Everyone knows that I love this with these types of films, right? So it starts with essentially right in a dungeon, like the dungeon doorway, and these two nuns that are going down there to try. Uh, it seems like one last attempt at trying to do something. There's this really freaky deaky key that gets handed off to the final nun. It like it does look very scary. It reminds yeah. me of the mm-hmm. in- Insidious where it's like the finger key of the demon in that particular franchise. Mm-hmm. Super freaky. And then of course there's the Latin for God ends here on the door, which is just so awesome and oh then there's the, the the door swings open the nun the the older nun gets dragged right in and is like screaming like what she, she knows what she has to do the younger one which mm-hmm. is of course we don't know this yet we don't really know why she throws herself out the window mm-hmm. very much like we've heard in other stories we've covered in real life like the elemental making people leap from the window at lep castle oh, yeah. and various things like this totally actually that's a really good point i didn't really and we really have no idea. All we see is this like really creepy hallway leading into this door, right? Where like you said, over the doorway, God ends here. And we've got all of these crosses everywhere. The cross imagery in this movie is uh, pretty intense to say the least. And we've got uh, a plethora. <laughs> it's almost as if nothing that is holy is enough for this thing. Like it just, they paint that picture in so many ways visually in the film, right? Mm. With these crosses, with the decapitation of Jesus on the cross, with the turning over of the crucifix itself in the office as the nun is hanging herself in the very beginning scene. It's like nothing is enough for this Valak to be like uh, intruded by, or what am I trying to say? Like uh, intercepted by. Like there's nothing powerful enough. It's really creepy, actually. Show, you, I'm freaking out. No, it is. Out. I know. I'm giving me shivers, even though some people <laughs> didn't didn't like this. But there's also in that first scene too, and then throughout the film, the symbology of the forces of darkness kind of like overtaking, like the wave of it, right? So like it's almost like that dark hallway in that first scene where the nun throws herself off, and then it's like as he approaches each each step, it's like the lights go out. Yeah, it grows. It just keeps growing. It just keeps, yeah. It's like the tentacles keep extending it, further. It's exactly. And another beautiful metaphor for that extension in itself is, is the fact that the nuns themselves are so terrified, they won't leave the grounds, right? They will not leave the monastery castle. So they're within these stone walls and even even the deliveries, right, go into those stone walls. And then right. there, there's like a medium room, right? The delivery room. Right. And then they go in. So they never, ever leave. But when the first, the last nun in that scene, the first scene hangs herself, she throws herself out of outside the walls. And so what we see is a seepage of the evil outside of the walls. And that's why I think we get the constant flow of blood on the steps right. throughout the whole movie. It's, <laughs> it's always just, fresh, which it's always, as it shouldn't be. And then we do get inklings of this later on, the spread, right, of this insidious spread of this evil in the village itself. Which is almost... And the hanging of that girl. Right, yeah. It does start to spread out beyond beyond the... What, what do you call this? Like a nunnery? It's like, no, like they, a, they call it an abbey, an a abbey. monastery. They call sure. it several different Okay, things. and it's essentially an old medieval castle that's been... Or it was that at one point that we find out later right. the reason why 
this is happening, which exactly. is which is really really cool. It's like I love Castle Hoska. It's very similar it in totally a lot of ways. Is. People would argue, right? And the fact that they refer to it as cloistered, so these uh, nuns yes. in themselves this is an important point, and this right. actually does exist. It's the idea that you live a very regimented lifestyle and you don't actually. Uh, participate in wider society you're kind of literally cloistered in a shell yeah it's almost so similar to to me it reminds me it's like the catholic equivalent to almost like a um like a like a you know like a buddhist monastery where you are very isolated and you're just doing your buddhist chores every day you don't mm-hmm. really see the outside world it's very isolated and regimented and and it's and meant a, to be that way it's almost right. like with rasputin where it's like you're trying to access higher levels of being with Christ and with God. It's about a meditation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's like you eliminate all the distractions and then you're kind of like centered around that Mm -hmm. is what I would imagine. I wish my life could be like that. (laughs) Totally. But it's so strange too, because obviously like going back to your point about the evil seeping into the village, it's weird because in the castle, like in the, in the monastery, the the characters are confronted with this figure, um, appears in different ways is sort of like takes over a few uh, corpses that they think are very much real nuns when they first arrive. We can get into that, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But then the stuff that happens outside the monastery in the village, which we don't know about yet, is kind of almost more like it's weird. It's not like it's it's not like it's Volok exiting the castle. It's just the seepage of of negative evil. It's not like mm. the entity itself showing up, uh, woman in black style. You know, kill, you know, often a couple of people returning to its lair in the castle because it can't leave. It needs no. a soul to yeah. exit the castle. Yeah. So there's almost a multi-layer of like this darkness. It's the figure itself yeah. and then it's the rem it's the residuals of him just being in the area. Oh, totally, cuz even after so let's back up a tiny bit here. Sure. So we've basically gotten to the point where Father uh, Burke and Sister Irene have met Frenchie. They've had that little encounter. Frenchie has shown them how to get to the monastery. Mm -hmm. And then we get that little interplay where they go into the delivery room that I mentioned earlier. And that's where he basically tells them this is how he interacts with them. He never sees them, right? And then he left the body in there, but he left it laying down and she's sitting straight up. Yeah. And then Father Burke tries to explain it away saying like, oh, wait a second. Like, well, bodies are known to twitch after long after death. And it's like, like sitting perfectly. like Clenching none other than that key that you mentioned too. So that's pretty important. And again, I wonder if, like you said, right? Yeah, like it's almost as if the grounds are compromised. They do have that perimeter of crosses again. We have more cross imagery so that's important too right the idea that they're trying to maintain some sort of barrier and they have different layers of barriers put in place i think right and it's almost like and 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 in addition to that like we again we don't know the characters haven't learned what's going on yet like they're showing up expecting to speak and make make sure the nuns are okay but that body that's been moved from frenchy leaving it lying down to now a sitting upright position seems like bait to me because Valak wants this key. We don't we don't know what it is yet, which I love. Like that's sort of this almost a side element to the plot because they're there trying to figure out what's going on, but we don't really know what the key is for yet. But he because he needs a soul to leave, it's almost like it's it's this creepy haunted house of like little breadcrumbs. Uh, oh yeah. Of of luring think- a soul in 
to try to oh, that's now be able to leave. That's interesting. I thought almost like the opposite, where it was like the forces of the nuns, the ghosts of the nuns themselves, oh, were, okay, were trying to side. direct them to where to find the relic because right. they can't find the relic without the key. They can't find the relic without the key. So, and they know they can't find the relic without the visions that she has. So, I guess mm-hmm. that's the connection from the Vatican. They know they they need her her visions. Yeah. Yeah, they need her to connect to these ghostly nuns that have since passed. Um, okay, so there you just so there we go. We've got to that. We, you so just, we've gone to that. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Because they show up in the first person. The first nun they talk to is like the leader. What, what would you call it? Like the head nun or whatever. Oh, like totally the one that's veiled, alone, totally veiled. Yeah, freaky. It, but she's not. She's the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a corpse. It is. It is <laughs> that a, is animated yeah. by this demon. Exactly. And they don't know that. Yeah. And it's got this voice. Like I can't even do it. But it's do got this think? raspy voice that sounds like vocal cords that shouldn't be working anymore because they're like no longer alive. Right. <laughs> you and know she's what I'm like, like, yeah, exactly. And she doesn't even move the entire time. So it's, yeah, it's this really off-putting first introduction. And of course, they're, they're sent away. They're not allowed to see the sisters that first evening. Mm-hmm. She, she tells them <laughs> that there's lodging, right, for them. Separate, of course. And they, this is where they end up going and seeing the decapitated oh, yeah. Jesus on the cross in the yeah. main the It's main like in the ch- chapel. chapel. Yeah, that's like a sure sign, obviously, that uh, the power of Christ is not present or not powerful enough to overcome what what is evil and what is there yeah Mm -hmm. i mean they're looking at it like oh this is some sort of a construction accident or like maybe this tipped over and they're still waiting on like that glue order to come in or something (laughs) like uh because to me that's pretty off-putting i mean frenchie's looking at it being like are you sure you want to stay here and exactly. Then like, and then he leaves. He leaves, yeah, because he's obviously he's going back to the village. And then that's when he kind of gets more information from the villagers. Hey, and we get that a little bit later on, which is interesting. And they basically say, well, you're going back for two more bodies, essentially, which yeah. is why I think he comes back early. He was supposed to leave them for two days and come back the fall, like in the morning. But he comes back that night as right. opposed to. But let's talk about, okay, so their first night in the monastery. Mm-hmm. So they're initially separated. The thing about this movie too is that they play on this a lot, this separation of the characters. There's not a lot of instances where Irene and Burke are together when things happen to them. No. Do you notice that? It's almost that's t- <laughs> that's it, it's almost like a Scooby-Doo-esque separation uh, going through mm-hmm. the labyrinth of this uh, of this monastery slash medieval castle or whatever it is, Ex- right? And totally plays into that breadcrumb metaphor that you were playing on earlier where it's like the demons like trying to do he that takes almost. the bait literally father Burke, oh, yeah. right like there's that one uh instance later on where frenchy thank god literally thank god, like shows up and saves his ass from some sort of a monstrous demon that starts crawling out like just one oh, of the yeah. minions of valak that's coming out of the coming out of another dimension oh, or whatever and it's all from him chasing a key on a string like a little kitty cat like he's like in there investigating around and then he sees this and he's like, oh, I mean, obviously I would, I mean, what would you, I mean, you might look at it or follow it. He is tentative about it, but yeah, they're always separate and he seems to be always. doing his own little Scooby-Doo things. I guess before they got separated though, they do have a pretty important scene where they're kind of like having their supper together and they're kind of sitting around and there's a radio, which I thought was strange because it's like, you know, supposed to be a cloistered covenant, like they don't, or convent, sorry. I think they brought it. They probably did bring it. And like the, the lyrics, I couldn't remember what they actually said, but I, they were kind of suggestive and like talking about romance and a couple and being you know, together and stuff like that. And I don't think it was Ella, but it almost at a 
It kind of had that at a glance sound. of the ear, had that had that oh, Fitzgerald vibe. Oh yeah, and then that's where we kind of get more information about Irene and her visions too. So she confesses that to Burke, and he's like, you know, he's starting to fill in a few of the gaps, but he's pretty much in the dark a lot. Hey, for this movie, he's a he's kind <laughs> of a patsy of the Vatican, really. Like they don't tell he he calls them out for that in that first meeting. Though he's like, "There's something you're not telling me," hmm. and he gets a bit of clap back. I think saying like, "There's something." I mean, basically saying, like, we don't know everything or blah, 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 whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they just send them, you know, like, not to his doom, but they <laughs> fully know that it could be that. Could be, yeah. And uh, thanks to uh, Sister Irene, there's a close call we haven't quite gotten to yet, but I'm looking some, forward to getting to it. Yeah, there's some pretty sinister forces at work. And Burke himself is compromised and uh, the demon uses his his inner, like, demons, uh, sorry, for lack his of a past, better word. His past, his demons, past. yeah, for sure. Because he does confess to Irene in that evening, too, that he was responsible. He's seen evils before. And he, during the war, I think he says, yep. there was a boy yep. that was supposedly cleansed by the church. Yes. But Burke knew that there was still something up. And so he went and continued the exor- exorcism? I, I think, think it was. was. I think he did use him. that term. And then... So we did see some elements of an exorcism in this film. That's like the only, yeah, tr- true, true. <laughs> but anyways, it's not the main climax thing. But yeah, so he ends up killing this boy. So he has a lot of guilt and remorse over that. And that's what the demon uses against him. And so this first night, it's it's pivotal for the whole plot because by the end of this, we get more information about what's really going on at the castle. But do you want to get into that whole sequence where father burke again he's like a cat and a mouse kind of thing where he gets lured out by what he thinks is the ghost of daniel and he gets yeah, lured into the graveyard right Oof. i mean i i don't yeah it's it's awkward phrasing because it's like he this kid was killed during an attempted exorcism to like save him obviously right but it, he's mm-hmm. killed in the process so obviously father burke feels a ton of guilt for this guilt is fodder for for demons to be led in obviously but yeah he's again yeah. he's led out of the castle he's he's out in this cemetery where they were had been doing some investigating before like they were just out or what did they do they buried the nun they were like we need to give her a proper burial the one that they mm-hmm. found clutching the key right and frenchie does the digging or whatever and that's where we get that little bit of history with the plague bells mm-hmm. and that they were Spooky. for people who were buried alive I knew of that, but I had forgotten until we watched this movie that Mm. that was a thing in medieval times, which is pretty horrifying. Imagine that. I mean, being buried alive is top three most horrifying things for me to have happened to you. But they say it kind of weirdly. They're like, if you were fortunate enough to be buried alive, you could use the bell to get out. It's like, well, anyone's listening. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? Might just be a deer munching some grass by your grave. Like, (laughs) yikes. And then, yeah, of course, later on, Burke is drawn back into the cemetery because of his guilt and sees this little boy this ghostly little boy it looks like from the grudge <laughs> yeah it, like really uh, yeah totally actually and, but he's following him and then of course it's this he's knocked down into a, a pre-dug grave and this is this this is the ultimate this is one of the weirdest moments in the movie for me because he ends up buried alive in a grave that's not only covered but covered with grass that's freshly grown yeah. and Mm-hmm. And and we're left with this question of whether or not he was teleported in there by Valak, or if this is some sort of 
this demon's ability and, and immense power to control time or the perception of time because that's one of the lines when, thank God, Sister Irene hears the faint ringing from her bedroom at yeah. night of the bell because he's frantically screaming and ringing this bell. Right. She manages to find him, uses her visions to overcome Bollock because mm-hmm. all the bells start ringing, which is obviously extremely horrifying. <laughs> she finds him, digs it up. Of course, the shovel's right there. I guess the one that Frenchie had left from the day before. Yeah, I must luckily, uh, <laughs> and uh, and saves him just in the nick of time. Like he's he's well, he gasping a- for air, but he also has the hands of the demon yeah. grabbing his head. Yeah, exactly. Inside the coffin that he's so in. So he potentially was vulnerable in that moment. He could have been taken over. And I want to make point exactly, and I want to make a point as well that when we are shown Father Burke in the coffin, freaking out, he lights his lighter, his Zippo, uh, after his flashlight goes out, and there's nothing in there. He's he is in there. There's nothing else in there. Mm-hmm. After he's saved and dug up, and almost has his face jabbed in by the shovel, <laughs> and that he busts out. Of course, there's a skeleton in there, yeah, and a bunch of books. Yeah, that's so spooky. Very interesting texts. Why? Yeah, what was this whole? So there's a couple of interesting things here I want to point out, and I don't know if this was intentional or if I'm just like you know connecting dots that aren't even there. <laughs> but these books are really interesting. So when we look into, like they say that they're grimoires and stuff. So they're books of evil and how to conjure evil, which plays into the well, the wider uh, plot of like this whole, the, the castle itself right now, it was uh, essentially run by a count. Was it a like count or a duke or a something? Duke, someone who's trying to summon stuff. So he had all these books, but these books are actually real. And there's a whole slew of them out there. And there was one in particular, I think the first mention of Valak, which is the demon in this movie. It's from the mid 17th century and it's called The Lesser Key of Solomon. Hmm. It's a demonology grimoire. And so this is anonymous, actually, there's no author attributed. But in this book, Valak is described as an angelic boy riding a two-headed demon. And I, as soon as I read that, like, okay, this has basically no visual or, uh, like, any other reference really to this particular iteration. Like, they, they kind of obviously take a lot of their own inspiration and a lot of their own leanings with the character. But right. Valak, I kind of thought for a second, I was like, wait a second, maybe the boy that Burke was seeing that he thought was Daniel, the kid that he killed, uh, was actually a version of Valak. It's like a nod to the 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 classical iteration of the demon. Maybe. Okay. That's what I thought, maybe, because he's known. The the interesting part is that he's known for finding treasure. That's kind of his his thing. So he was directing Father Burke towards the treasure of books, the little trove that was buried, in a sense. So maybe in that way but then you see that's the rest what's of weird it, though it's like why yeah. would you do that it's like he's kind exactly. of unless you just want the competition right like you want well, you want the church to come at you that's just it and right? i don't really think i think this is just my own interpretation based on that actual that grimoire in itself that sure that demonology whatever this whole universe and this franchise doesn't really have anything to do with that like you know they take their own leaps and bounds as far as what they're portraying but i thought that was interesting for a second that is really really interesting because there's no like it's it's associated with snakes we get a lot of that imagery and that type of thing and that's not really associated with valak and the real uh literature 
is okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like riding a dragon. Doing he's like a, a dragon boy. Yeah, or something thing. like which he's, I guess he's a is winged boy. Like sounds like a cherub type thing. <laughs> sure. It, it, to your to to go back to the idea of treasure, like he's a treasure seeker, though. Like that mm. is an interesting juxtaposition, obviously, to Sister Irene and her ability to see visions and the fact that they are looking for this relic, like this treasure, exactly, in order to get rid of him. It's like almost like this is the ultimate. Freaky, horrifying treasure hunt. Uh, Nun versus Sister Irene. Totally. Yeah, that's actually a funny (laughs) point. It's kind of, we don't get any iteration of that in the other films of this um, franchise or universe. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's kind of a weak thing to point out. It's just, I just had that thought when I initially looked into it, but... Anyways, I don't know what you guys think out there. If you think that means anything or not. You'll have to let us know. Let's get into the whole death of the nun, because that's another point that comes up in the mid point of this movie. And it really, again, paints a picture of what's going on at this thing. For sure. And we've kind of alluded to aspects of it, right? With this Duke and with the church itself being taken over. Uh, sorry, the castle being taken over by the church. Yeah. So basically, they, I love the scene that they do when they do the flashback, right? Yeah. So it's this this cloaked figure that's this, uh, you know, this 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 duke that's gathered up all this literature that's created a lot of it on his own in order to summon demons. And then the the line that they use when she's being given the story, Sister Irene's being told this story by one of the nuns that she meets and thinks is very much alive still, uh, that this guy almost got roped into it, that the de- that the, the powers, the forces of evil ended up almost possessing him and forcing him into the practices that allowed this gateway to open. He was interested. It's almost like he was interested in it, dabbling in it, and then really got latched onto and used as the vessel to mm-hmm. open the gate, the gates of hell, essentially, mm-hmm. right? So they do this classic scene with like the Templar knights storming in, slicing his head off or like <laughs> slashing at him, right? And they're able to just barely close this portal mm-hmm. with the blood of Christ. Yeah. And then that same relic is hidden in this sacred chamber within the castle. It's, it's, it's very, it's just so perfect for a story, right? It's amazing. And then of course the nuns have to have 24 hour seven, 365 constant prayer in order to keep the seal. Like this, which is pretty gnarly. I mean, if you can't, and if that's broken, then, then the gateway can open again. (laughs) Which is exactly what seems to have happened. And the sister, uh, this is Sister Iwana, and she's very pivotal in this movie. She's kind of like um, uh, Irene's go-between with all the ghostly nuns and stuff. And she tells this history here. And this Dark Ages sorcerer is just so cool. And I I think uh, Iwana, she again, she's the one that tells Burke and Irene to watch out for the other nun because they tell her like we've been in contact with this other nun and blah blah blah, and who is she and she's like she's she's the wolf in sheep's clothing so right. beware and that points to the idea that the gateway has opened yeah oh and actually mm-hmm. to go back to that we we kind of skipped over before sister irene saves father Burke buried in the grave she has an encounter with the nun Right. So she's in the chapel and she's witnessing what she thinks is all of these sisters still kneeling, praying, doing this constant prayer. Yeah. And she sees the decapitated cross and then we get the shadow. Yeah. The The same shadow that we get in the previous films, the same shadow that when exactly when she goes into her office and the shadows on the wall and it walks and 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 then and takes its form in the painting. Yeah. And except in this version, 
it's this towering massive shadow like all the way up the wall of the chapel Ooh. you know 40 feet high or whatever as it slowly gets smaller and smaller and i really i really i really did like that mm-hmm. but it's it's so funny how these demons don't have the ability to really do they have to be in like i guess the perfect situation to really get what they want or do something evil or kill someone right because it's always just this kind of like scare tactic stuff she gets she gets screamed at and driven out of the chapel and then that's when she ends up going and saving father burke but it's almost like valak's waiting for this right moment or something or is she not vulnerable enough maybe to be taken over yeah it's kind of interesting the way that you yeah that you see this building up almost as if it's like posturing yeah yeah (laughs) or it's just for you know scary well he does end up doing a little bit of monologuing actually when he's uh, holding frenchie which is, was a little bit classic Hollywood for me. If I had one bone to pick, mm. uh, I don't think too many demons would do a lot of monologuing. <laughs> what did he even say? Oh, he was just remember. like chirping them. It was just like, you've never amounted to anything in your life. Oh, or yeah. Whatever, trying blah, to beat him down. And He's it was like, just the classic French kind Canadian. of like, yeah, yeah, which is a great line. Yeah. Favorite line in the movie. Can we touch on Frenchie a little bit here? Because okay. he, like many characters in the Conjuring universe, appears in multiple films. Mm-hmm. And I do like how in The Nun, because this is a spinoff series. This is like Annabelle in the sense that it's not really directly Conjuring Conjuring. It's like, you know, its own little side world kind of thing that bleeds into the others sure and frenchie's a great example of that because we actually see him in the conjuring and the conjuring 2 okay or am i misremembering that i think he's in that one but he's he's definitely in the conjuring yes actually no he's just in the conjuring yeah so it's interesting because he is portrayed he's a different actor but he's portrayed in the slideshow that the warrens are doing at the university when they're recruited by the mother of the family that i think actually no am i misremembering i think it was in the conjuring too anyways sorry guys i'm <laughs> classic amber move it is it's it is, all it is. redundant it's which all one redundant it's and i'm just sitting here just yeah typical just painting over it but yeah frenchie he ends up sacrificing himself essentially and there's a weird 20 year gap ish or maybe 15 year gap because this was supposed to be 1952 and he is exercised like 15 years later because yeah. the warrens in their presentation they were saying how it was about, what was it, six or eight years before, like previous? Yeah. And they yeah. were talking about how he was like a very troubled person and whatever. He ended up killing himself by the end of it, I think. Yeah, that's, that's how, how they, yeah. Out. Yeah, he takes his own life or whatever. It's weird how he's even latched onto by Vladik in this, Vladik, Valak, <laughs> Vladik. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, Vladik, I don't know. It's a great name though. Um, oh, that's going to make, that's going to bug me for the rest next of the day. That. It's from something. <laughs> It's from a book we've read or something, or that's no, it's <laughs> something. Yeah, the, oh, true. Yeah, I I'm getting know. those mixed up. Frenchie and himself, like the way that he, because you were talking about right, means he almost needs like a perfect moment where he can do a transfer point. This demon, this Valak, because Frenchie ends up being his carrier. So the evil leaves with Frenchie at the end of this film. But Frenchie himself, like he seems like one of the strongest out of the three of them. Yeah, in my mind, like you know, like even well. He's the least religious. Maybe that makes him more vulnerable. I'm not sure. Well, he's he's clearly still religious. Like he's brought up Catholic or whatever, yeah. you know, being French Canadian, but isn't, pra- you know, he's whatever. He's, he's, he's hitting on her when she first shows up at the house and stuff. I like guess, he's clearly yeah. not like as extremely pious individual or whatever, right? Like he's <laughs> no. just, he's, he's a classic young. But he's a good guy. Man, but he's a good guy. And he ends up sacrificing himself. Essentially, he like throws her out of the way. 
in the in the final scene. I'm talking conclusion here. And he ends up doing that quite early on too in the film. Well, he's very like selfless, like where he's like, oh, I've traveled all over the world. He's talking to Irene and, and she's asking him why he's here. And he doesn't belong here, supposedly. Like he's an outsider, but he feels connected to these people. Right. Which is again, kind of weird. It's almost like lends itself to this idea that it's almost uh fates bringing them all together and aligning yeah, them in a way because they wouldn't have been able to do it without him like i said earlier he saves father burke he ends up uh giving uh sister irene mouth to mouth and saves her in the end from drowning after the after valak mm-hmm. is pinning her underwater and we get the real full view of the demon mm-hmm. a lot of the other Images of him are very dark and shrouded and shrouded in in darkness and gray colors and stuff, which we love, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people complained online that it wasn't scary enough. And I thought it was if you if you watch this in the right setting, it's it's really well done how they portray the demon. In my opinion, I don't think they gave it. It wasn't like the reveal in um, the ritual where people were really upset with that. I felt like they could have held back and showed less of that monster, made it a little bit more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. But with this, it's like you know what it looks like, unless you had never seen any of the other ones before. You hadn't seen the painting by Lorraine Warren, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? And obviously they chose this figure too. It's like, why the nun? I mean, this is specific for this franchise. Like you said, this figure is not that in grimoires from the 17th century. But that seems to be, I guess, the scariest modern version of what you could uh, show yourself as, as a demon. I mean, it does work. It's horrifying. Oh my goodness. I'm just thinking about that painting now from the second from The Conjuring too. And when she turns off the lights and how it has like that luminescent glow to the skin and the eyes. And then she turns the light back on and it's totally different. And then she turns the light back off and it's like glows again. You're like, oh my God. If I had a painting like that in my house, I'd like... I was well, you like, wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't have that painting in your house, obviously. Oh, but I already got your Christmas present. <laughs> Whoopsies. Oh no. Do you feel there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Sometimes we need to ask for help. And these days, it's easier than ever to get started on the right track to mental well-being and happiness with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com is an online counseling service that's there for you when you need it. You can connect with your specially matched professional counselor in a safe and private online environment within 24 hours of signing up. It's so convenient to get professional help from a licensed counselor. You can now get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus, you can chat and text with your therapist anytime. This is not self-help or a crisis line. It's a professional service. And if you are not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp.com is available worldwide with 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states with four communication modes available, including text, chat, phone, and video. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. Guys, this is secure, convenient, professional, and affordable. And better yet, it's truly affordable. Into the Portal listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code PORTAL, P-O-R-T-A-L. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash portal 
and simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with your own counselor. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash portal to get 10% off your first month. So let's get to where they actually are able to like oust oust Valak because it's not like the power it's not uh you know just the knowing of his name that's enough right because we get that in the uh conjuring movie where they go to the UK and he ends up appearing in the at the end and she casts him out she's like I know your name Valak the defiler the marquee of snakes Mm -hmm. and it's like that in and of itself because demons don't like to hear their own names is enough to send him back Mm -hmm. that's not happening here even though Father Burke is kind of the only one who knows the name because he's looking in the books that he pulled out of the grave do they ever say it out loud I think he says it he reads it um and that's the only time we hear it it's not used against the demon instead their only hope is this relic that's hidden in 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 the castle and he gets blood splattered on him twice the nun once by frenchie and then the epic uh you've got the blood of christ (laughs) you're gargling the blood of christ basically sister irene Mm -hmm. because she's plain dead and Mm -hmm. then spits it in his face gross which yeah pretty epic i mean that's a pretty epic way to make that happen it is and again right it was almost like going full circle back to the beginning of the movie with the the vatican meeting where they're like will this save us and i think they get their answer it's kind of interesting too in the sense that they think they've sealed it back up right she thinks Mm -hmm. that the deed's been done and by all accounts everything's back to the way it should be and it's sealed holiness restored and then uh it's kind of like playing on the incomplete or unfinished nature of Father Burke's earlier uh, exorcism with right. the boy. Right. And the idea that the these evils are almost too powerful. They're too great to be contained by these antiquated practices, right. perhaps. And then we do get maybe more forceful iterations of that with the Warrens and their practices. I don't know, though, yeah. because that is interesting how it seems so simple. All you got to do is know their names like Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> it's like almost like that will only work before they're able to gain too much power. And in this 1954 at the monastery, he's he's gained enough power. He's he's already, like there's no nobody's been praying. He's been there. The gateway has been open. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know, as opposed to some of the other films, you know what I mean? Like, I think that maybe is the reason why the name is enough in some. Maybe. I I don't know. That's, That's, I don't know. And I'm kind of struggling. Okay. So maybe we should, can we switch gears a tiny bit and talk about like plot strengths and weaknesses here? Yeah, sure. Because I think this again, just going back to the larger picture of the conjuring universe. So we have the nun as like the Genesis story of, of this Valak demon. And then we get, the next sort of like mention which is in the beginning of the first movie when they're talking about how Frenchie was possessed Mm -hmm. and it's interesting here there's a lot more to it like this is according to wiki fandom but it was like talking about how when uh (laughs) when they're talking about this demonic possession ed in particular describes him as a third grade educated french canadian farmer who was molested by his father and i thought that was interesting because that's kind of a different portrayal than we get of yeah that's him not the vibe in, in the nun like not a world traveler or anything like that he's no. just a so anyways there's that part that i kind of have to pick a bone with but then there's also this idea 
I don't really understand the leap between the French Canadian farmer story and then how this case has followed the into England. You know what I mean? Like, how did it fall into the second plot of The Conjuring 2 where they're in Hatfield, England, right? If I'm not mistaken. Well, I think... And then it's 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 puppeteering the, the old man ghost. The ghost of the old man. So that's, like, kind of weird, For isn't me, it? Well, I you? Think, well, I think, I think it just depends on how you're looking at it because Leap it's, frogging? like, it's the perspective of, like, yeah, these are... These are uh, far far away geographically right uh in terms of years in terms of distance in terms of whatever but if you're an exorcist or if you're like the warrens or like these types of people you would probably just have the explanation of like hell has no bounds you know what i mean it's almost like these demons it, it's going to show up wherever it is going to work for them it doesn't is matter it, if it's just uh right why, like why would they have multiple encounters though with the same demon like, it seems like too convenient almost as well a plot it, it's device. clearly attached to lorraine in some yeah. way like it's stalking her around it is in some way. and it wants her but husband it, right right it wants ed exactly it's, it's on a mission <laughs> it wants it dead but no it's clearly it's clearly on a mission but it's sort of to the point of saying that like you know if a demon can do something to someone in new england then it should that same one could mess with someone in bulgaria right maybe not at the exact same time maybe in different ways or whatever but, but it's like is it different or is it like right is that's it... negating the whole premise of the first movie though how it needs someone to move to go like you know what i mean you mean of the it needs it needs a vessel movie. you mean of the nun like the one yeah. we're talking about today yeah like right like, but again, it's like there's we're just oversimplifying the context, I think, because it's like this one is about the origin point. The portal is in the dungeon of this castle, of this monastery. This is where it has the chance to leave. Mm-hmm. And then once but, it's out, now it can go about and do whatever. So you think that there was so just like there was a bubble essentially created around the castle, the bubble yes, of protection. Exactly. And then once the bubble of protection is gone, then it's just like free for all. Really? It hitches a ride with Frenchie, and now it's hmm. out in the world. It's free. It's can it do and whatever a it pleases. Bit convenient. So, like for me again, don't like argue going back, with the demons. Going, okay, okay. I'm just trying to have a conversation here. So, going back to the whole scenes where we see Frenchie being ex- executed. Oh my gosh, exercised, and we see the face of the nun basically coming out of him. Right, like you see it transform into that, and then it basically screams into Lorraine. And there was one thing I read online because it's been a while since we've actually seen that movie, but mm-hmm. there was one thing online I read that said that Lorraine was given the vision of Ed's death in that moment where he's like speared by the thing. And that scared her into not wanting to take this case that they're presented with by Carolyn Perrone, who is the, the mother in the second movie. Sure. (laughs) Who's also in the haunting too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Am I am I starting to complicate overcomplicate everything? Um, I'd say you did that a while ago, but now it's the chair. But it's just like okay, so basically this demon's attached to Lorraine. Is that what we're we're gonna call that the linchpin? But why does it show up in this random house in in England, just hoping that the mom will come to them and be like, I need to again, yeah, it's luring them Mm -hmm. and maybe luring them out of familiar territory into a place where they're more. Yeah, definitely. This is why I never want to bust out the Ouija board. And you're always like, let's just do it. It's fun, and I'm like. Like, 
<laughs> if anyone can see the look I'm giving Andrew right now, it was <laughs> I know, and this is the same look I give Amber when she so cavalierly suggests summoning demons. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. She's never suggested that. that. She's never suggested that. But I've never ever anything if you like our old dog or something. So are you saying that you would bust out the Ouija board at a Romanian monastery like this? <laughs> no. Okay, so that, so so then that that answer in and of itself, you are saying that you're. You I can mean, respect uh, the spirits and access the spirits. Come on. How much are you buying any of this in the real world? As oh, far as like something like this actually happening, the plot of this film actually. I mean, happening? forget all like it, that was funny too because we were doing the research for this, you guys. And like 2018 apparently was like a really big year for exorcisms. The Vatican was like training more people for them, more reports of them than any other year before. And in Italy, there's a ton. I don't know what's going mm. on with my with with my Italian family over there. I'll have to reach out and ask. Uh, but there's like 500 thousand a year or some crazy number which is like one it, it's a it's a ridiculous percentage of italians that claim to weird be possessed or know someone who's possessed or That's whatever strange. uh That's but this is like weird. something that is very much a thing there's there's figures like father burke that go looking for miracles treasures relics trying to beat back the demons I, I i don't know if a place like this exists like this romanian monastery i'm sure it does if anyone listening has heard a story about such a place. Uh, a castle other, Hoska? Other mm. than Hoska that we've referenced already. Mm -hmm. But thank you for reminding me again. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> right? Like, I'm I'm buying it. I mean, I wouldn't set foot in this place. If I saw a decapitated... Like, and I'm not... I was brought up, like, originally Catholic, went to church, a different church as a, as a young boy, and mm -hmm. then stopped going. And I'm, like, particularly not... I'm were you ever agnostic, right? But Were you ever involved in any, like, the ceremonies, like, the rites of passages in oh, the church? I mean, when I was super, super little, probably. Probably I can't baptized remember. is probably about it. Eh? That's probably You didn't go through, like, it. confirmation or anything? Oh, God, or... no, I don't think so. I mean, all I remember is eating a couple of wafers and, mm. you know... <laughs> You're, like, the, not even The half. grape juice is You're, the like, an eighth grape. Catholic. Right. <laughs> not even. Right. But anyway, it's... Yeah. So... So bottom line here, we're taking the Ouija board with us when we go to Eastern Europe, right? Right. Okay. We're booking flights Perfect. to Romania once that's a thing again, and we'll uh, let you guys know we'll, how we'll this goes. We'll find our own little vial of Jesus's blood. and we'll, Right. You know what I mean? That's So yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> something I wanted to leave open for you guys too. Amber, this is just straight, we're going, oh, it's a straight blasphemy. Eh? But <laughs> we're going to burst into flames probably, here. Probably, probably. But that's interesting too, like the idea of these <laughs> relics being real. I, I'm interested in that. You know what I mean? Like oh, it, yeah. that ties into lots of stuff that we've talked about and we have still coming on Patreon too with like tapping back into some interesting uh, Nazi legacy stuff. And like mm -hmm. they were looking for the spear of destiny and obviously the Holy Other Grail relics, and yeah. these types of these types of relics that were believed to be very real, very powerful. You know, I'm not, I'm sorry guys. I don't mean to, I feel like Andrew's painting me in a bad light oh, here. No. Actually, well, I'm painting myself in a bad light where I'm like kind of sounding a little bit callous about all of this. And I don't mean to sound callous because I actually genuinely am pretty open to it all. Like I'm not discounting anything to say the least. And I, I honestly think like some of yeah. this, some of this in some ways is real. And even just now before we decided to record this, we had Unsolved Mysteries on and there was that one really famous guy, some dude, he was a father and he had the marks of Jesus on him. Like, you know, like I can't remember what they called it. They had a specific word for it. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm 
<laughs> I don't have all the terminology, but it's like basically looked like he had been up on the crucifix. Gotcha. And he was able to work miracles. He was like, anyways, he was a crazy guy. So I really want to explore more of this, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a few other things like the bleeding, the bleeding. Oh, like the statues the and stuff. And, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. We're getting off track here. Sorry. Well, kind of. I'm trying to redeem myself. Not really, though. (laughs) As if you have to. As if you have to. I feel like I do. (laughs) I think if I was going to finish off my final points for this, like, I had three moments that I absolutely loved in this movie, and they were three more comical lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was from Sister Irene when she opens up the door that says, God ends here, or it blows open or whatever, and she just has this very classic, like, oh, God. (laughs) Like, where she literally, that's the line. Uh, Yeah, that's probably what I would say as well. <laughs> Obviously, Frenchie's line where the nun is monologuing and, and the demon is kind of just talking shit. And uh, she said, like says, what it says something Frenchman. And he says, I'm French Canadian. And then throws the blood in his face. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And then also my favorite, when they find the relic and Father Burke is past it and he's holding it in his hands and he's like, and Frenchie's like, holy shit. And he's like, <laughs> the holiest. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. That was actually, that was yeah. great, and I love it when you can pepper a little humor into uh, into a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, they were effective with that, and nothing nothing seemed like it was like being exactly like made fun of to any degree. It was taken quite seriously. I really did enjoy the setting of this film too in Romania, love it. like love just it. that castle. All those shots we got were. I beautiful. think that's why it's my favorite of the series because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I, I do like it when it's a period piece as well. And I like that period of the fifties and, and I do like how they connected. They had a lot of flashbacks to previous films. So it's really easy to connect all the dots and sure. kind of see where this is coming from. Yeah. Was there anything else? Meh. Special effects. Like I thought the special effects was pretty good. I yeah. didn't really have any complaints. Like maybe in 10 years we'll be laughing, but I probably, don't know. but I think mm-hmm. a lot of the, the fact that it was so dark will save it. I think yep. it'll, I think it'll stand the test of time because of that. Almost like, uh, uh the lady in black. I yeah. thought that actually yeah. stood the test of time and that's what, at least 10 years old now. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and again, I, I, I feel I like horror movies where it's not guts and gore necessarily, even though we love things like the void and things like that as mm-hmm. well, but there's a lot more implied horror with, with the nun. That it's I love conceptual and horror. It's conceptual spooky. horror, mm-hmm. and even I, I don't care who you are. I don't the people who watch this movie and weren't. It's not like I'm cowering under the blankets or anything, right? But if you're watching a movie like this and you're not scared, watch this movie and go stand in a freaking nunnery or a monastery by yourself at night. You're going to be scared. I With don't care. Big who you screen are. is pretty effective. It was definitely effective. Mm-hmm. We want to know what you guys think, though. Definitely, I'm curious about what you think about the whole series, too. Like, we're going to cover the whole franchise, I think. We're going to do the, yeah. the canon of the Conjuring and, and haunting stuff. The Annabelle ones are going to be, a, there's like four of those. That so might we'll be a bit to... of a slog, but we'll... Yeah. we'll we might just we're cover gonna... all of them in one episode, though. That oh, might be a good way to do it. Just do a big extravaganza? <laughs> we could do that. Extravaganza eleganza. We could do a, a <laughs> ghost version of that. <laughs> Yeah. If you guys want that, let us know. Comment on social media. Uh, hit us up. Follow us at, at Into the Portal Podcast on Instagram, at Into the Portal Podcast on Facebook, mm-hmm. at Into the Portal One, the number one on Twitter. Yeah. And we're super active on there. So come chat with us and uh, let us know uh, what you think about this episode, what you want us to do for future episodes. Mm-hmm. We're always open to more Film Friday ideas for sure, yep. Cinema Saturday ideas. Also, don't forget to check out our podcast network at Strange Podcasts on Instagram and straightupstrange.com. 
where we have the the full lineup of shows for you guys to check out. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, we've been working on that. Website redo. <laughs> That's right. And uh, as always, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters, uh, our producer. Stan. Stanley. Stan I tried to tee Kate. that up as a little bit more of a, <laughs> like us doing a boot boot. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, thank you, Stanley. That's uh, Stanley yeah. Capizorio. And I'm totally butchering Did that. Did you butcher that again? Capizorio. I think it's Cuppa. Cuppa. It's, it's one of those names Capizorio. where you just really want to enunciate the said they the really South Africanized it. And I don't know what a South African <laughs> See, accent sounds like. And so I'm New thinking Zealand. maybe it's like I think that. it's a little bit more New Zealand. Uh, that was New Zealand? South African? No, South I African, eh? I think we're going to get some pushback from all of this, but... Ah, Sorry, Stan. (laughs) (laughs) He he asked for it, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and actually, he's already been tossing out some awesome ideas. And uh, as well, our next uh, regular episode, not a cinema episode, is a a suggestion from Aaron Bloom, another uh, patron uh, of ours for a long time. So thank you guys so much for for all of you on there. And if you haven't checked us out on Patreon, the link is in the show notes below. So you uh, you can click that and check us out. Yeah, we have a little fun... You want to call it an Easter egg on there? Sure. We just put up. It was like a video. Oh yeah, a oh, private my gosh. video, patron only, exclusive access behind the scenes video of it was Amber and I. Into the portal TMI edition. Right. <laughs> Let's just say it's a pretty hilarious uh, photo shoot behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so our patrons get the uh, the pleasure and or the pain of watching that. <laughs> yeah, they're but, so cute. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, we really enjoyed this movie and uh, we hope you guys did as well. So as always, thank you so much for listening to Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bizarre. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.